Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast episode is going to be breaking down the Jets' Week 4 matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs, a game that they lost 20-23 to on Sunday Night Football at Jet Life Stadium. This is a big-time spot that had a lot of negativity around it, and we were expecting probably the worst, and we got far from it. Even though the team falls to 1-3 and on the season, and it feels like a really tough hole to crawl out of, the Jets have played some really good teams, this Chiefs being the hardest one of them all. And they've played in some big spots with everything stacked against them. And yeah, they've laid a couple eggs, sure. But they also beat the Bills. And then they had this performance, which made you feel like not only could they compete with the Chiefs, but they could actually beat them. And if things went a little differently at the end of the game, maybe some different officiating, maybe some capitalization on some big plays the Jets had, they easily could have done it. Maybe not getting down to that 17-0 start. But the way this thing started versus the way this thing ended, I think we all left feeling a little bit inspired. A little bit bitter and pissed off that we didn't pull it off, but way more confident going into the Broncos game. I don't think we're looking at Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon the same way that we were a week or two ago. So I can't wait to talk about this podcast. It's going to be a lot more fun than the one we did last week following the Patriots game, and we're only going to focus on the Chiefs in this one. I'm going to put out another podcast episode later in the week. It's going to come out Thursday morning at 5 a.m., and that's going to be previewing the Broncos game upcoming and talking about like the AFC East check-in and stuff. But on this podcast today, we're going to do a review of that Chiefs game, talking offense, defense, special teams. We're going to do our players of the game. We're going to talk about Zach Wilson and some of the coaching. And I got a father time for this one that's pretty exciting as well. So really good stuff to get to. I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan, a place of... A lot of activity for me this week as I posted 
a video about the officials and the referees in this game and my drunken stupor following the Jets' loss. Extremely bitter, of course. Put something out there that's garnered you know, 2 million views, thousands of likes, fan bases from all over chiming in to give their thoughts. So check that out on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And uh, let's get into this podcast. I want to start talking about Robert Sala because I think that there was a lot of negativity surrounding him and the way that he approached the quarterback situation that I personally don't think was fair because I don't think that talking to Rich Samini and Connor Hughes in a press conference about how bad Zach Wilson is will do anybody any favors. I think that just having support and encouragement is the best thing you can do. And I think week after week we hear him explain that Zach Wilson looks really good in practice, and if he can just kind of do the things in the games that he does on the practice field and shows the coaches he's capable of, we'll actually see some really good play. But we haven't seen it, so we're just like, this is bullshit, why are you protecting him, why are you protecting him? But I think what we saw against the Chiefs in this game, is exactly what he's been supporting and what he's been standing behind. So I think we need to give Robert Sala a break. And when they were down 17-0, to it looked like it was going to be a really ugly week for him yet again. But the way this team rallied and the way that they kept fighting in this game and making plays at the right times and capitalizing on things, and then the way that he was losing his absolute mind on the horrible calls, looking for that intentional grounding, I loved that after the bad officiating that gave the Chiefs the win and the ability to kneel the ball, he's coming out there arguing with the officials on the field, getting an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against a coach. At a time when in the game it didn't mean anything, he'll probably end up getting a fine or something for that, which I'm sure he's fine with also. But he was letting his heart out there, and he's fighting for these guys, and he wants to win just as bad as they do, and this team hasn't given up on him or Zach Wilson or themselves. And we shouldn't either. And there's going to be ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys, and the Patriots was absolutely a valley, and maybe the Bills was a peak. Not sure, there's a lot of season to go. But the Jets are going to have some really bad dud games. The question is, do they show enough life? Do they have enough ability to have great games? Because you don't have to be perfect every single week. When the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, they don't go 17-0 and just steamroll everybody for the entire year. There's going to be bumps and bruises. The question is, how do you respond, and what can you do after that? So I think we're going to find out a lot about this Jets team this upcoming game against Denver. Also in this game against the Chiefs, I like kind of seeing Nathaniel Hackett in an offense that's moving because, of course, when you play the Patriots and nothing is working and you can't run the ball and it's wet and slippery and guys are falling over, of course it's going to look like you're doing a horrible job. When you're set up on third and nine, it's a lot harder in the rain against a Patriots secondary in defense than it is when it's nice dry conditions and your team is rocking and rolling and moving the ball downfield and the defense is on its heels a little bit. So seeing Nathaniel Hackett kind of open it up, giving Xavier Gibson some opportunities, some well-timed screen passes to the running backs and to the tight ends, that flea flicker play that it didn't work, Zach got sacked, but you could see Lazard was wide open on that thing, and if that was just done a little bit differently on the execution side from the blocking and Zach Wilson, it easily could have been a huge play. So the play call was right, and it was there, and I liked what I saw from him. This was the first game that I left really impressed with what Nathaniel Hackett did. The most important thing of this entire game is Zach Wilson. Because, as I said, he had what looked to be the best game of his entire NFL career. And my dad said it to me in, like, the very beginning of the third quarter. He goes, I think we're witnessing Zach Wilson's best game. And this was before that massive drive that ended in the Lazard touchdown. It was, like, right after the Zoma touchdown. He's like, I don't think I've ever seen him throw the ball with this much confidence and zip. And he was absolutely right when it was all said and done the way he played. Zach finished this game with a 71.7% completion percentage, 245 passing yards, 
two touchdowns, no interceptions. He did have a really costly fumble in the fourth quarter that he bobbled the snap, the Chiefs picked it up, and the Jets didn't get the ball back um, again in the game. So that really sucked to not have another opportunity. I'd like to see what he could do if he could get that one back because he had an amazing third quarter drive when he came out and he was hitting guys left and right across the field, getting the ball out quick, under two and a half seconds out of his hands, but with accuracy, taking a couple nice deep shots, trusting his receivers, trusting his tight ends, and leading the Jets down the field, and then playing a little hero ball on the two-point conversion to get into the end zone, diving, scrambling. It was a very, very good drive, and if that's what Zach Wilson can do, if that's the ceiling, we've never seen the ceiling yet, right? We just have seen, like, glimmers of hope here and there. A couple crazy playground-type throws that were like, wow, he was able to extend the play and then chuck it downfield to Corey Davis. How cool was that? This was, like, real sustainable offense, and the Chiefs didn't know what to do. They're rushing after Zach Wilson. They're trying to get, you know, Chris Jones and a pretty good pass rush in the Chiefs over there. Pretty good defense overall. They only sacked Zach Wilson two times in the game. One of those was a a Chris Jones sack, which came at the end of the half, and Chris Jones is a really good player. The Jets did actually a really good job against him. The other one came from a safety blitz from Mike Edwards. Safety blitzes happen. That's like good defensive scheming more than it is blocking assignments, and that's the only other time they sacked him. He was hit 10 times in the game, so he was standing in the pocket, making the throws, delivering. And I was just so impressed with the confidence and the way that he came out there. After having arguably the worst game of his entire Jets career, he follows it up with a bad game. And honestly, that uh, that fumble had me questioning it, but we have to give offensive player of the game to Zach Wilson. Because what he did and what he was able to do in terms of like elevating his game was ridiculous and beyond anything we ever expected to see in this 71 plus percent completion percentage is unheard of for Zach Wilson not having interceptions when you're throwing the ball 38 times is unheard of for Zach Wilson trusting in receivers having anticipation on your throws not looking frazzled in the pocket getting the ball out quickly all of that stuff was just next level for him and it makes you wonder why did that just happen why did he look the way he did against the Patriots and this way against the Chiefs. Were the Chiefs not ready? Were they selling out against the the run? Did it just happen to be the perfect offensive scheme against that defense and just the stars aligned? Was it that the Patriots just happened to be our Achilles heel and we just can't do anything against them? And the Cowboys happen to be one of the better defenses in the league specifically, or especially when they have Trevon Diggs in the lineup and some of those guys that were there at that time. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what the heck is going on. But what we do know is that Zach Wilson had a great performance. He's absolutely going to be the quarterback next week against the Denver Broncos, which we weren't sure would be the case a week ago. And we get to see him try to build on it. It's very important for him to build on that and not take another step back because it seems like every single time he's had a good game in his NFL career thus far, it's been one step forward, two steps back. This is the time right now where he can get the season back on track, get his career back on track, and prove to the Jets that He deserves a fair shot until Aaron Rodgers comes back. And then maybe a little bit after that. We'll see. I don't want to get too far ahead because it was one game. And we just saw such a horrible game last week where we were ready to ship him off to another team for nothing. Pennies on the dollar. But Zach Wilson, fantastic. A couple favorite moments of Zach Wilson in this game. The 23-yard back shoulder dot to Jeremy Ruckert, which was by far Jeremy Ruckert's best play of his career, but also just such a nice anticipation throw that only the tight end could make the play. The Alan Lazard deep ball 
where it probably wasn't even thrown all that well, but he trusted in his guy who was able to stop his route, come back, get the ball. The defensive back didn't ever see it. Alan Lazard made the catch, and that set the Jets up for points. The dart to Alan Lazard in the end zone where he just, like, fired the ball in for a touchdown. Alan Lazard had strong hands. The defender is coming and barely tipped that thing. What a nice play by Zach and by Alan Lazard. The C.J. Uzoma up high throw, hitting the tight end, getting C.J. Uzoma involved. The heck, that guy's part of this offense? That was really cool to see. And then that two-point conversion run when it was like, what are the Jets going to do here? Obviously, the field is really shrinked on a two-point attempt, so when you go back to throw the ball and everybody's just in their zones in the end zone, there's basically nowhere to throw. So Zach scrambles a little bit it loses his balance, and you're like, oh, shit, here we go. But he retains his balance. He gets up. He runs. He dives towards the end zone. He picks it up. I mean, tied the game 20-20. to 20, And it was just more amazing Zach Wilson plays in one game than we've ever seen. And if only we could have seen the end of the victory. Man, oh, man. That would have felt really good. Now, I do want to move over towards the offensive side of the ball, defense, special teams, give some other stars of the game. But before I do, I want to check in with my dad, David Burnham, to get his thoughts, because I think this is a good point in the program to just bring him into this. So this is this week's Father Time written by my dad, David Burnham. Here we go. Title is, What Was That? The Jets lost a heartbreaker, coming from behind, and nearly stole the game against the Super Bowl-winning Chiefs. They lost the game, but I slept well. But really, what was that? I asked my crazy eight ball, and it said, concentrate and try again. Well, I can't concentrate. I always say I hate flashes, glimpses of perfection, light at the end of the tunnel. I don't like glimmers of hope. The spotlight was on worldwide, non-football fans were even watching Sunday night, and if they stayed awake, they got to witness a brawl. We've seen the Gary Hodge booms, Clint Longley's, and Matt Flynn spark short-term success and end with a flicker. The Jets even had Glenn Foley, who had us all convinced, for a few weeks. Those were flashes. This we know. Zach played a great game Sunday night, completing double black diamond throws. Rhythm, accuracy, poise, and grit. Well, congratulations, Zach, and the New York Jets for a tough-fought game. But for any team, 17 points is a big hole to climb out of in two quarters. Yes, we lost a battle, but is the war just beginning? Or am I about to get fooled again, like quarterbacks of seasons past? Mirages of false hope. There's so much talent and potential on this Jets team. We really want Zach to be great. We really can be easily fooled. After all, we are Jets fans. I can't wait to see how Zach performs against Denver's defense. I can't wait to see if we saw a flash on Sunday night or if the light went on. It could be time to wear your sunglasses. Or maybe a t-shirt. Go Zach effin' Wilson and go Jets. End scene. Whoa, ho, ho, daddo. What a father time this week. This was one of my favorite ones ever, and I tell him that all the time. But this one, having the history to remind you of other glimmers and flashes like the Matt Flynn's that I remember, the Gary Hoge booms and Clint Longley's that I don't remember, the Glenn Foley that I've heard plenty about being a Jets quarterback at one point, these guys flickering and, and him putting all that in there with the the history, reminding you that, like, Man, we've done this so many times. We saw flickers and glimpses from Sam and from Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith. There's just been so many. And I kind of get what he's saying. Like, he hates flashes because they just give you reason to believe in something that isn't necessarily the truth. Like, Mark Sanchez had us believing that maybe he was the guy. And the Jets actually gave him a contract extension before it was even due just to give him confidence and support. You know, we really need to make Mark feel supported, so let's give him a contract extension. 
something they ended up regretting doing because Mark Sanchez wasn't the end-all, be-all. And he fizzled just as fast as he came in. The Jets were able to kind of hide what he was for a long time with a great team. And those glimmers and flashes kept us thinking like, oh, he's about to turn a corner. This could be a real thing. But it wasn't. And it wasn't with Gino, and it wasn't with Sam. And I don't know if it is with Zach. It's hard to say after just one game against the Chiefs that all of a sudden everything's like, oh, we're back into, like, progress mode. Zach Wilson's the franchise quarterback. Really hard to believe that. I mean, most people are all but giving up on this kid. But maybe, just maybe, it happened at the right time and the light went on. My dad saying these things, getting all fired up for Zach effing Wilson. I've never heard him that excited to see Zach Wilson play. And it's hard to disagree with him because this Broncos team we're playing is the perfect matchup for the Jets at this point in the season and to see where Zach Wilson and this offense is. Now, that's going to be next podcast coming out Thursday, 5 a.m. is when I'm going to be talking about the Broncos matchup. But my dad is absolutely hitting the nail on the head on this one because it's one of those two things. This was either a, a flash in the pan, one weird game that just happened to go decently well for Zach Wilson. We still lost the thing. Chiefs came out with the win. Or this is the start of something special. And just having that little glimmer of hope maybe isn't fun for the long term, but for the short term, it does make this week interesting. And I think he's right when he says, like, the Jets fans get easily fooled and easily disappointed, and it really comes down to the fact that we really want Zach Wilson to be great. We're so starved for a quarterback. We're so hungry to just need to see that guy come out there and be the signal caller that can just lead us to a Super Bowl in 10, 15 years of good QB play. It's been so long and we want it so bad that when we invest or even like consider thinking about investing in a quarterback like this again who just breaks our heart, it's like how many times can you do that? And I get it. But at the same time, at any point things can turn around for a guy. The light can go on. We got to figure out if this is that time. So thank you very much for the father time, Dad. This was an awesome one. I appreciate it. Thank you for some of the history. And uh, we'll see what happens. Now, before we go over to the offense, defense, and special teams, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Live. Next order of business is to talk about the offense and their performance against the Chiefs on the Sunday night football game. The offensive line, to me, was really good. Zach Wilson did get hit 10 times in this game, but we only gave up two sacks. We played Chris Jones well, and I mentioned it before. The only other sack than the Chris Jones end-a-half sack was a safety blitz from Mike Edwards, which is like, it's a safety blitz. It's kind of a, it happens, and it was a good call at the right time, but it's not really like bad offensive line blocking necessarily, and that play to me wasn't. The Jets also ran for 108 rushing yards, only rushing 16 times, so that's 6.8 yards per carry. And they're giving the Jets and the offense an opportunity in this game to work through the offense, to run the ball, with success to get a couple big flash plays, but then also to get guys downfield on screen plays and to block for long enough to let Zach Wilson get it to the guys as quickly as he did in this one. So I was really impressed with the team. I think that there's been a couple penalties. I don't like to see what we see from Makai Becton on the penalty side, Connor McGovern getting downfield a little too early. That stuff's not great, but the way Makai Becton's playing left tackle at a reasonably high level, the way AVT is moving over to right tackle and playing it like it's his usual position, and Joe Tippman popping in here playing very, very good right guard very, very quickly. He's already better than any of those, like, Laurent Duvernay-Tardifs or whoever we were rolling out there, any West Schweitzer we could have had. Joe Tippman is looking like the real deal. And right guard isn't even his natural position. You'd think he would be probably a center on this team. 
So if he's either versatile or flexible and can shift into one of those positions or just be the long-term right guard, it doesn't matter to me either way. As long as he's a really good piece in a really good offensive line for years to come, and he's starting off the right way. The running backs in this game, again, like, Brees Hall is the real deal, and he's going to get more opportunities. He had a 43-yard banger in this one, almost got the Jets the lead. Six carries for 56 yards. So five carries for 13 yards, and you take out that 43-yarder, which is pretty similar to Dalvin Cook's unimpressive five for 16 yards. But the thing is, Brees does break those. It's not like if Brees breaks a big run, it's when Brees will break a big run. And he always finds a way to do it on minimal carries, and he's going to get more opportunities as the year goes on. Again, this was not the slate for Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook to look like superheroes. Playing against the Bills, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and the Patriots, this early in the season with Dalvin Cook coming back from a shoulder injury, Brees Hall coming back from a knee injury, it wasn't built for them to look like superstars right away. Brees is well uh, beyond what we ever expected at this point in time. And with some cupcake matchups coming up, both of those players are going to look much better. Brees Hall is going to look like one of the best running backs in the league. And Dalvin Cook, I think that he's way be, way behind what Brees Hall is. I think that he's a little bit worse than we expected. But I also think that when you see some of these matchups coming up, Dalvin Cook is going to look a lot better than he has so far later in the season. I think that Michael Carter is looking more like rookie uh, last year's Michael Carter than rookie year Michael Carter, which is not what we were hoping for. Michael Carter is still not, I don't know, just he doesn't have enough consistency running the ball, catching the ball, blocking. There's always these lapses, like a bad drop in this one, a couple missed blocks early in the season. I think that Izzy Abinaconda, who's been inactive, healthy every single week, is eventually going to get an opportunity. And given what we saw in preseason with that big splash playability, I think he may end up taking that role from Michael Carter if Michael can't start getting some stuff going, a little bit more consistency. When you look at the wide receivers, Garrett Wilson is a stud. Throw him any ball, and he catches it. The second it touches his fingertips, it sticks there. He slides to the ground. He contorts his body. He doesn't get hit big. He's awesome. He only had 61 yards for nine catches in this game, so it wasn't like a massive stat line. But the guy, just keep feeding him the ball. He'll find a way to pick up those first downs for you and keep the offense on the field. Lazard using his big body on a deep ball in the end zone, that's what you want to see from him. He's a good blocking wide receiver. When he can catch like that and make the defense struggle, that's what you want to see. Randall Cobb had a nice catch stretching for a first down. Veteran instincts, you love that. Xavier Gibson got a couple opportunities and at this point seems ahead of Mecole Hardman on the depth chart, which is really interesting because the Jets got Mecole Hardman, who looked like he was going to be a big play home run hitter for the Jets, maybe the punt returner or kick returner, maybe a special factor for the end around and trick plays. But that's all going to the rookie Xavier Gibson right now, who did all right in this game. Xavier Gibson ran the ball. He had a 14-yard little end around wide receiver run. He had a catch for four yards in this game. So he's working his way a little bit into the offense, a position that I don't think any of us ever anticipated him getting back in training camp. Nicole Hardman, we'll see where he factors in down the road. We still aren't seeing anything from Jason Brownlee, who's inactive every week as well. When you look at the tight ends, Conklin was a beast. Four catches for 58 yards, but they were nice catches, rumbling, picking up extra yards, getting the ball to him in space and letting him go. He almost had that big touchdown catch, which would have been huge. Throwing a little bit out of his reach, but he almost made the play. We mentioned Ruckert's big catch, biggest catch of his career. Nice blocking. And then finally, a CJ Uzoma touchdown. Awesome to see from him because he has been MIA 
for basically his entire Jets career. So that is the offensive side of the ball. Now moving over to the defensive side of the ball, the Jets' defense started in a hole of 17-0. Not great. The offense wasn't doing anything. The defense couldn't stop them. But from that point on, the offense kind of started turning things up. And right after that Bryce Huff safety force, Jets finally got on the board and they got a little bit of life. And the defense only gave up six more points for the remainder of the game, which against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football is incredible. They did well against Travis Kelsey. He only had 60 yards in this game. All of the wide receivers combined for them had seven catches for 65 yards. So great job by the DBs. The Jets made Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. They only sacked him once, but they had nine quarterback hits on him. And you could tell how uncomfortable that guy was. And the thing about the Jets' defensive line when it's rocking is it can be so impactful in a game, not because one guy comes from the edge and it's like one fast Von Miller coming and now he got the sack, but then the quarterback gets up and he's like, all right, block Von Miller. Let's bring extra help on that side. And then we're good. When the Jets' defensive line swarms you, with Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers and Jermaine Johnson and Quentin Jefferson and everybody just pushing up the middle and the entire pocket collapses around you and all three guys, all your interior offensive linemen and maybe even tackles get beat on the same play and you just get swallowed up. One, that's when injuries can happen to quarterbacks because they don't know where the bodies are coming from. They're all around them. Anything can roll up on an ankle or a calf. But also that like you can't escape to the left, right, or forward. It's just you're done. And you can't throw, you can't see. It's suffocating. And the Jets did that enough times to Patrick Mahomes that made him really uncomfortable because he was like, okay, this thing can get dark and put me in a bad place very quickly. And you could tell that he was not comfortable in this game. Patrick Mahomes finishes with 200 passing yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. I mean, he was outplayed in this game by Zach Wilson. Absolutely no doubt. Patrick Mahomes was able to pick up some really annoying first down runs. He had a 25-yarder. He had six other rushes for 26 yards on those ones, picked up some big first downs, and that's frustrating. But the way that they played everybody else in this game, aside from maybe Isaiah Pacheco, who had a nice, tough, gritty performance at running back, everybody else basically had a bad day on that Chiefs offense. So I want to talk about the players that have been great, not only in this game, but the entire season. Then some of those players that are in the middle showing up for plays here and there, and some of the guys that have been completely absent from the defensive side of the ball. Starting with who's been great. Jermaine Johnson has proven that he deserves almost three down defensive end responsibility. He plays the pass very, very well. He gets held way more than the officials throw flags for. He's really good against the run. He's really good at setting an edge. He's becoming a very good, not a big stat stuffer, but a very, very good player, just like John Franklin Myers, who's also having an awesome start to the season. JFM looks stronger, faster, and tougher than ever. Bryce Huff has been pass rushing probably with one of the highest pass rush win win rates in the entire NFL this year. He got the safety called on him. He was making Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable all day long, and Bryce Huff is this week's defensive player of the game. He was all over the field, and I know there's some guys that made some big splash plays. I looked at Quinn, and I looked at Quincy, CJ, the guys getting the INTs. But the way that Bryce Huff was making not only the offensive lineman, the tackle was struggling heavily. Um, Juwan Taylor, I think it was, he was struggling mightily against Bryce Huff as he has against basically everybody all year. But Patrick Mahomes is freaking out about him. Huff is a heat-seeking missile and wins matchups so quickly he impacts the game 
like nobody else in that defensive line. And he was almost an afterthought in the whole production of what we got up front. But the fact that they retained him for at least this year is huge for us. He's going to get a big contract coming up from somebody. I hope it's us because he is so freaking effective. And I just love what I've seen from Bryce Huff this year and this game. And he is the defensive player of the game. He deserves it. Balling his butt off. Quinn and Williams has been great all season long. A little bit quieter in this one. Some teams really try to take him out of the game. The Chiefs did. They tried to, you know, double him up and get extra bodies on him to make him struggle. He's still a good player. Still stopped some runs. Quincy Williams, his brother, had an awesome game. I could have given him defensive player of the game. He was probably the next guy that would have gotten it because he was stuffing the stat sheet in this one. He's been really good at tackling, right? 13 tackles in this game. But he also had some TFLs and some pass deflections getting out there deep on coverage. A couple plays that could have been big pickups for the Chiefs offense were thwarted by Quincy Williams' pass coverage, which is like not something you'd ever think would happen. But it did, and he's got big hits, and he's got fire and juice. And just the trajectory of his career with the Jets. Coming in here is like a, a cut player from the Jaguars, kind of a rebuilding project. You know, brothers of Quinnen, so get him in here. Let's see if we can turn him around a little bit. And now he's playing like one of the best linebackers in the league and changing games and making offenses really uncomfortable because he's an aggressive, tough, physical player that will make it hurt when he gets to you. His partner in crime on that linebacker unit, C.J. Mosley, another guy who's been playing great and had another great game this week. Big-time tackling with 11 of them. But that big INT dropping back in coverage, pulling down the ball, almost had a second pick in this game, getting those PDs, doing his thing. C.J. Mosley is awesome. One of the best linebackers in the league. I've also loved, obviously, what we've seen from Sauce Gardner, D.J. Reed, and Michael Carter as a unit. This game against Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback probably ever, seven catches for 65 yards from all wide receivers combined. And with Taylor Swift herself in the house, Travis Kelsey doesn't get into the end zone. Six catches for 60 yards. That's a great game for all those guys for that defense. Now there's a couple other guys on the defensive side of the ball that kind of show up for plays here and there. They're not consistent, but they are a part of this whole team. They are role players who make plays at the right times or are involved here and there. Starting with Jordan Whitehead, who I think at times is out of position, maybe isn't the best covering safety in the league, but he has made some big INTs this year. A couple nice tackles. Solomon Thomas up front. Finds a way to make big plays almost every single game, one or two. Definitely against the run. I've liked Solomon Thomas. Against the pass, Quentin Jefferson. He's been really good making his presence felt when he's out there. I think Adrian Amos shows that he is a good veteran and worthwhile to have in the roster playing significant snaps, especially with uh, Tony Adams out. Ashton Davis, a guy that doesn't really get much playing time but he's actually made a few nice plays this year, including an interception in this game against Patrick Mahomes. Minimal snap opportunities, but getting a chance to get his hands on the ball and he brings it down, I mean, that's huge. you got to come down with those. So many players like an Ashton Davis on another team in that situation drops the ball, you forget about him, and it's like, eh, whatever. But you make the plays, potentially game-winning plays, like he did when he picked off Aaron Rodgers last year to seal the game. Ashton Davis has a little bit of juice here and there. And then from time to time, you see Michael Clemens, who's been a little bit quieter than I hoped, but he's still out there rushing the passer from time to time, making some nice running back stops as well. Then you got a list of guys that are just completely absent from the defense. Starts with Al Woods, who was inactive for this game. 
Big Al Woods up front comes in to be a big run stuffer, but he's so freaking big, guys just run around him, and I think he's just getting manhandled a little bit. Al Woods, best days maybe behind him. Carl Lawson coming back from a mysterious back injury in the training camps. Carl Lawson looks horrible. He doesn't do anything, really. He Every once in a while makes a tackle, but he's, like, less prevalent in the defense than a, you know, Solomon Thomas or Michael Clemens, which absolutely should not be the case for one of the highest-paid players in your entire team. Carl Lawson's got to either find a way to be more effective in his snaps or he's going to have to give all those to Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson and John Franklin Myers and the guys that are doing stuff with him. In the linebacking unit, Jamie and Sherwood has been MIA. That guy plays from time to time but doesn't really do anything good. Reminds you a lot of Tony Adams, who isn't playing right now because he's injured, but when Tony Adams plays, he doesn't do really anything for the Jets. Bryce Hall has been horrible since like he had a meltdown, what, a year and a half or two years ago. It just seemed like he stopped knowing how to play football. And he looked horrible in this game as well, falling over his own feet. Will McDonald has been a healthy scratch in games, and even though he looked really good in the preseason at getting after the passer, we haven't seen really anything from him in his limited snaps this year. Played a little bit in this game, didn't get anything done. He's basically been useless so far this year. Now, for all those players that are playing well, or those players that are playing horribly, that can change in a week or two. Look how quickly Zach Wilson went from unemployable to I can't wait to watch him play again. Same thing happens with Will McDonald and Carl Loss. Have a big game. You know, prove us wrong. For the guys that are playing great, prove us right. Keep doing what you're doing. Stack good games together. Make it an entire body of work, not just a flash here and a good game there, a bad game here. Make it a good season and help this team win some games. I think there's better days ahead. I really do. You go over to the special team side of the ball in this game. Greg's line missed a 50-yarder. He made the other kick. If he made that, you know, 53, 54-yarder before the half, that would have been huge, but he missed it by an inch, and it was so close, and it's a long kick, so, you know, those things get missed sometimes. Thomas Morstead, I think he punted well. We had one nice return from Xavier Gibson in this game. And then I'm going to give special teams player of the game to Justin Hardy again because he's just a great gunner. He's just better than most other gunners on other teams. And he's like a really flashy player to have there because he makes big things happen, but he also gets in your face and he's got a lot of edge and brings like a level of intensity to that special teams unit, which I know Brant Boyer loves. And it's part of the reason that he's a captain of that unit. And the ceiling for Justin Hardy with that edge and that grit is so high because he can kind of fire up an entire unit and a team and back it up with his play. The thing about Justin Hardy is every once in a while, he makes some mental mistakes here and there, maybe getting a little bit too emotional, maybe getting a foul here and there. He shouldn't hitting a player early a little too hard. Things like that do happen, so his floor is maybe a little bit lower. But that intensity that he's been rocking with this year, and he's been playing really well, has him on pace for another Pro Bowl, maybe all pro season. So good job, special teams player of the game, Justin Hardy. That's really all I got for this game. I mean, the Jets fall short, 20-23. to I wish we could go back in time, do this game again, play the Chiefs, do things a little bit differently, and let Zach Wilson get the ball in that final drive. See what he could do. Did he have it? Was he just in his bag that night doing everything it took to win the game? He might have been. We didn't get to see it, and we're shortchanged, but he's going to have another opportunity to look really good and build on that good performance against the Broncos, who frankly have been one of the worst defensive teams in the league this year. I know the Broncos are looking at the Jets as an opportunity to kind of grow their season. They just beat the Bears, and they want to try to get to 2-3, and three, get back in the mix of teams, 
Jets are trying to do the same thing, get to two and three and be in the mix. But one of those teams is going to win. One of those teams is going to lose. It's going to be great for the winner. It's going to be detrimental to the loser. And we're going to talk about that on Thursday. Podcast's going to come out early that morning. So listen to that Broncos preview. But that's all we have for this Chiefs review. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 